Hi, everybody. Welcome to Manga Splaining, the show where we recommend great manga to folks who haven't read manga before. My name is Deb Aoki, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Christopher Butcher, David Brothers, and Chip Zdarsky. You can follow along with our reading list at mangasplaining.com. Alrighty, so this week's this week's episode, we are talking about one of my choices, which is a little bit, well, it's a little different. <laughs> it's called What the Font. It's a manga about fonts. I have to admit, I kind of recommended this as kind of a Kind of, kind of a, kind of a laugh. So I was not, I was kind of surprised that Chip said, "Hey, that sounds interesting." Um, well, you, you suggested something that was kind of a laugh to me. Like, of <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's kind of weird because you know everything else that we've kind of like recommended so far are kind of these iconic must-read mangas. You know, mm-hmm. like the ones that everyone just kind of agrees is oh. That one's super good. Oh yeah, yeah, you gotta read that. You know, like it's one of the one of the canon, one of the classics. What the font, on the other hand, is kind of a <laughs> kind of a bit of a well, but it rep- represents something about manga, which is that manga can kind of be about almost everything. If there's a did subject, you, did you recommend a bad book? Is that what you're trying to tell us? <laughs> well, I'm just saying that it's not like Akira level. You know, like okay. Akira, right. like Akira is like oh yeah, yeah, yeah every it's kind of like. Like, you know, like everyone goes like, oh, yeah, the Meryl Streep movies. Of course, it's going to get nominated for an Academy Award. This one is kind of more like the movie starring The Rock. It's like, <laughs> eh, it's interesting. You know, it's, it's, it's in the movie theaters for a couple of weeks. And then you kind of go, well, maybe it'll show up on video. Mm. Or maybe it's Meryl Streep and Mamma Mia 2. Ah, well, oh. <laughs> <sighs> I have thoughts case. about that movie, too, but. <laughs> Let's save it for the Mama Splaining podcast. <laughs> so let me give a little quick shot, a little ex- quick explanation about this one. Uh, what the Font is called What the Font, a manga guide to Western typeface. It is written by Kunichi Asia. It's from Seven Seas Manga, Seven Seas mm. Entertainment. Our first Seven Seas manga. Mm. Mm. And the thing is, is that compared to all the other manga that we've been talking about so far, it is a one-shot manga. It is also an educational manga of sorts because mm. basically it follows the adventures of this girl named Marusu who works at a small company. She works in sales and she's asked to lay out a business report. So she has to know about typefaces. And then out of the library comes a mysterious young man who introduces himself as Helvetica. And he takes her on a journey and introduces her to all his fellow typefaces. And along the way, we learn a little bit about the history of the typefaces, why they're similar, how they're different, what, how they're used, what their personality is. The other thing that's interesting about it is it's done in a what they, what they call yonkoma manga, which is the four-panel gag manga. This is a well-established trope in, man- in manga, where it's like these gag manga, kind of like you know, like Garfield strips, except it's all the all the panels are the same size, and they just go down from the top to the bottom. Mm. And, it's, and it has like this format, which is like the first panel sets the scene, the second panel progresses the story, the third panel sets up the joke, and the fourth panel, there's kind of like this little witty kind of kicker at the end. So it's like Garfield of Garfield taught us U.S. history. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So anyway, it's, um, like I said, it's, it's kind of cute. It's kind of quirky. And I just thought... Some, when, this is a manga that I've recommended to people who work in design, for example, because it's like it's a it's a subject that they can relate to. 
even if they don't necessarily read manga. Mm. But anyway, what did you guys think of it? Uh, do you want to go first, Chris? I feel like you have... I have the least experience in letters <laughs> amongst the three of us. So. <laughs> I There's so much going on in this manga as a pick, especially as a pick for Chip, because we've been friends <laughs> for a really long time. Like He designed the logo for Page and Panel, uh, the teacap mm. shop, using variants of Rockwell, a member of the Rockwell family, which has true. an entry and a character in this yeah which as i learned <laughs> through this is uh for children yeah so for, for kids you know for kids the kids love it tip it's young it's so it does that it has like a, a personal connection i also think it's very it's very japanese there's a there's a huge manga convention of personifying uh abstract concepts or non-personified concepts in manga um the first one that was maybe published in north america was hetalia which is a hugely <gasps> problematic series <laughs> hetalia sorry what is it hetalia turns all of the axis and allied powers during the second world war into cute boys in love with each other uh <laughs> we can talk was, about that someday too <laughs> we'll talk about that someday oh, man. but it's like Really, in the night, it was a Tokyo. It was actually it was it was a huge internet sensation, and Tokyo Pop got the rights, and it was sort of a double edged sword there. But it was like one of the earliest web comics that did really really well. Yeah, mid two thousand seems seems absolutely right. Oh, it was Tokyo Pop put it out in two thousand ten. Yeah, it was huge before that, and they did it actually. That was one of the ones where they did digital only. They they actually sold it directly to consumers because it was the dark end days of Tokyo Pop when they were trying to make <laughs> any amount of money at all. But like, so this idea of like having a personification of a thing as a manga character, huge, huge part of Japanese manga culture, Japanese culture in general. That's what mascots are: mascot character idols and things like that. Everything has a mascot, so we don't really get a lot of those manga here. So that is very interesting to me. This is the first manga that we've had that didn't actually appear in a manga magazine first. Tried to do some research on it, and it was actually really hard to find because it actually appeared as an original book by a publisher that makes film art books and design books. So this wasn't like serialized. This is like a whole original original graphic novel based on a doujinshi that the author made where like we would go, Deb and I would go to Comiket and buy all these like weird doujinshi. And there was one where it was like personifications of food or something. Oh, they're all having sex with each other. It was like oh, disgusting. Yeah, uh, yeah. The Pepsi can and the Coke can are like doing each other. And then yeah. when it went... <laughs> When they when when Wait, stuff what? happens and like the can explodes, it's conceptually why, filthy why did, but why, totally G-rated. Why didn't you recommend this? Not in English. Not in English. <laughs> not in English. There was the one. The, the particularly naughty one was the two, the shoe the naughty shumai. Oh, the the dumplings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, tweaking the pee on on that shumai. So we would have wow. probably gone to a comic kit where this was like the original Dojin was here, where it was like, what if I turned fonts into cute characters to explain it to Japanese audiences? And then clearly someone at a design manufacturer was like, this, this is actually a book. We're going to do this as a real book. So that's, so this didn't even, this didn't appear anywhere first. This is an original book. It's, and it's educational, which is a thing that's big in, although we had a little bit of that with Delicious and Dungeon, although in the weirdest way possible. It's just, it's a a really, really, really weird, uh, unique title. And Chip's a designer. Like Chip has designed things for the world, for me. Chip designs his own Marvel covers sometimes when he works with, like you redid the, all the design and layout on Daredevil when you took it over, right? 
Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I tend Tweak. to do the logos on all my books. Wow. I, I find this like a totally fascinating choice, and I read it, and I was like, the, the first time I was like, oh my god, I wonder what Chip's going to think with like every chapter, because it wasn't... <laughs> Yeah, well, sorry, and that's that's what I think. I want to actually, but but before we before we get Chip's opinion, maybe David should. Do you want to go as well? Yeah, there's uh, nothing about. Type <laughs> <or font> yeah, <laughs> so I learned that I know a lot of Blambot and Comicraft fonts, and not a lot of like r- regular people fonts, <laughs> and also that the Declaration of Independence was printed and not handwritten by Thomas Jefferson the night before they had to sign it. Mm. Which, for some reason, yeah. I had assumed was true. <laughs> I didn't. But no, know this was a a wild pick. Um, it took me forever to read because there's footnotes on every page. It's yeah. dense, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's something I've seen in other manga like this, and I'm not sure that I'm super into it. Like I keep looking for a flow for the story, but there's not a story. It's like she's just meeting fonts, and they're like telling who, her who they are. But I kind of liked it. Like, this is a lot of history that I'd never heard before, a lot of perspectives I'd never even thought of. Like, mm-hmm. t- how to tell uh, Ariel and Helvetica apart, like, the top of the lowercase t is diagonal. Yeah. And, like, I never would have noticed that. And I feel like I'm good at noticing things in books. Like, mm-hmm. I've made a career out of it. Mm-hmm. So, on that level, it was really interesting. But I'm not sure that it works as a comic like I was expecting. Mm-hmm. But I think that's because it's a reference book. And I was expecting yeah. comic book. Yeah. Is it a reference book? Like, it has material for reference, but is it a reference it, book, too? It like provides it, so much context that it, I feel mm. like it must be. Mm. Like, if you've never used uh, Gotham or Futura, it tells you everything you need to know to, you know, get that poster finished. I mean, you could, <laughs> you yeah. could assign this book in a, as an art in, a, like, a design class, and it mm. has a lot mm-hmm. of interesting information. I mean, I would do, ostensibly, I got a BFA, <laughs> and a lot of <laughs> stuff I didn't know. Mm. Um, Although I do think there's a missed opportunity. Like they could have had some more display fonts that had more pers- more distinctive personalities. Like mm-hmm. like papyrus. Ah! <laughs> you know, show like that that uh, avatar blue guy or like um zap dingbats. I mean, can you imagine what zap dingbats could have been like? <laughs> that could have been so rad. <laughs> you yeah. know, it could be like an alien kind of talking in Absolutely. But, so I feel like some creative possibilities were not fully explored. Yeah. But I do feel like it was very easy to understand. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Jocelyn Allen did the translation, and I think that, as usual, she killed it. Oh, did she? Yeah. I didn't even notice that. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Oh, that's And cute. it's all, like, jargon, too, which is something else that was kind of killing me. Sure. Like they introduced Jocelyn. slab serifs before they explain what slab serifs are, mm. and you just kind of have to roll with it. Mm. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's about a font, so it's very minor, like speed bump, of course. It's a lot of translation. I hope she got paid extra for that. <laughs> <laughs> so many. Re- I've, I've never seen this many books referenced in the back of a book, a uh, back of a single volume of manga. Like, there's a double page spread of references and like things you should know, websites to go read after you're done. So, yeah, that's that's an interesting design or um, translation challenge, I think for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's awesome they list the fonts they used as well. Mm. Yeah, I think I think yeah. you kind of have to. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, Chip, what what did you think? I'm curious. What did you think? <laughs> um, I loved it, but I had to 
it took me a little bit to realize what it was. Mm. Like, like I think when Dev uh, uh, pitched it, I was picturing like, like the endless from Sandman. <gasps> uh, <laughs> you know, like they, they, like, like oh, there's Helvetica. He's like this, and you know, oh, here's Times Roman. She's like this, and these personalities, mm-hmm. like maybe interacting with a bunch of people in the world, and and there being a proper narrative. Mm-hmm. But it is a, it is straight up a textbook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the most fun textbook I've ever read. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it, it brings me back to um, so before I did comics, I was at a newspaper, and uh, during the that period, I was an uh, information graphics artist. Mm-hmm. And during that time, all the newspapers and news organizations were really big into finding new ways to deliver information, mm-hmm. like to, to tell the stories. And so we were always trying to figure out new graphical ways. Um, either through comics or through, you know, proper graphics to convey stories. And so this, this really brought me back to that because mm. uh, this is such a great way to tell people about fonts. Like, like this should be in all the art schools. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, even though I've done a lot of design, I, I actually didn't know most of what was in here. Really? You know, I, I knew all the fonts, like, mm. I knew what I used them for, and I knew where I'd seen them out in public, but I didn't know the history of them. Like David, there were like small things, differences that I, mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't clock. So I actually I learned a ton reading this. It, I, I think it's fantastic. Uh, do you know? You mentioned knowing like what other what these fonts are used for and or intended for versus what you use them for. What's the biggest departure between those two? Can you think of one for yourself? The biggest departure, like sorry. using a super classy font for something super trashy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh man, that's a hard one. I don't know. Hmm. I, I I liked throughout this that they always tried to bring it back to where they're used. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this is actually this font actually used for the Panasonic logo, or this was used for Titanic. Um, they they missed out. Uh, Mistral in my mind, is yeah. is so linked to Drive, the movie. Mm-hmm. Oh. They should, have, they should have mentioned that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can't I can't think of the, the one with the most dissonance. <laughs> I did like the, um, I forget the name of the font. It's the one that was, like, very German. Uh, Fetz Fracture? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and the font says something like, oh, would you like to have some heavy metal? Maybe even some hip-hop? <laughs> <laughs> like, all of a sudden, all these albums just kind of pop up in my mind. It was so it was super fun. Like, there, yeah. there, there, are moments, there are moments through it. You know, you know, Debbie mentioned, like, the idea that they could have gone further with more fonts. But they've crammed a lot of fonts into this. I was actually surprised how many and uh, how many, you know, they were able to give slight kind of personality things to. Mm-hmm. And you can tell the author likes them all. Mm. Like, I think that's the difference. Like, I think if she did go to, to, to Papyrus, maybe Papyrus would not have uh, come across as well as the fonts presented here. <laughs> because it's part of it. Like you want, because the main character's journey is through learning all these, mm. these fonts and their histories and how they're used. Like they all have to be of a certain quality. Mm-hmm. Because you can't have like a shitty font show up and be like, I'm shitty. Use me if you want your poster to suck. <laughs> but, you know, but there's also, there, when, every time I mention that this font, they go, is there Comic Sans in here too? Yeah, and that's there, my first question. Yeah. 
So frankly, I, uh, I thought they were too nice to comics. <laughs> they were. Wow. No, the, the, they 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 were. I mean, they. I think they knew they had to put Comic Sans in there. Yeah. They saved it for last, and frankly, the reveal page of Comic Sans, like I laughed out loud. Like this isn't really a funny, <laughs> funny book. But as soon as you see Comic Sans at the end, you're like, oh, poor Comic Sans. <laughs> Chubby, shy nerd. No, you know what yeah, I yeah. I expected? I actually have something queued up for this. I uh, Are you familiar with the, the Vine, what's up, fuckers? Uh, where the kid's screaming and busts into his house. Here, I'm going to show you... I'm going to show you this vine. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm just, before, I just got to, I know we're going to put it in the show notes, but look at comics on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> look at that dumbass kid. Oh, it's so funny. I thought the whole comics on's chapter was going to go exactly, uh, let's see if it'll let me share or not, exactly like this vine. Oh, wait. I may have crashed Google trying to share the screen. <laughs> oh, <no>. Awesome. <laughs> Oh, no. All right. Fuck it. We'll insert it afterwards. Oh, oh, you know what else they missed with doing this Comic Sans is Doge. Oh, right. The Doge. Uh, the, the, oh, yeah. The Doge they don't discuss memes yeah. at all in this. Yeah. Come to think about it. No. But uh, Chip, how do you feel about Comic Sans? Um, I, I hate Comic Sans. <laughs> but, but I love Comic Sans in this book. And, yeah. and the, the, the best part is, you know, saying earlier, like, they could have been a lot crueler mm. about Comic mm-hmm. Sans. What I found really funny was they kept searching for redeemable things to say about it. <laughs> so they mentioned that it is easy for dyslexics to read. And they mentioned that twice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, that's great. I mean. That actually is really is, nice. But It is really nice. But also it's just like, they're just like, ah, is there anything else <laughs> about this font? No. Oh, no. <laughs> and they were, they kind of glossed over why it is criticized as well mm. yeah they're like it has distinct letter forms and it's like oh it's ugly actually it's like none of it anyway well, i was gonna say they found a very compassionate approach to dismissing comic sans where they're like look this is used a lot so maybe you shouldn't use it uh, and just kind of leaving it at that yeah true but they really just made it clear that all these other fonts are kind of for like artisans of the form and comic sense has a lot of like casual appeal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, that's yeah, so, like, there's did. something about it, but comic sense yeah. should have been like, <laughs> like a mom making a church bulletin flyer, like <laughs> making him the shy nerd sitting alone, reading manga in his room or reading American superhero comics in his room. I get it. And that's like a really soft way to do that. But I still feel <laughs> yeah. like comic sense is loud. Uh, <laughs> is a loud font. Also, shout out to the Akewood Comic Sans strip because you can't mention Comic Sans with that, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. I don't, yeah. I don't. I don't know if he's shy in this. He's, I mean, he's humble, pretty personable. Yeah, he's not like overbearing like a lot of comic nerds would normally be. <laughs> True. <laughs> I don't know what you mean about that. <laughs> um, I, okay, I will. I will say this too because. You know, we're talking about comic fonts now. It's unfortunate that such a um, design-oriented book has such terrible lettering. Mm. <laughs> oh, what do you mean by what? What exactly do you mean by that? Like the the lettering is like bumping into things all the time. Like I, I know part of the problem is the fact that the you know the balloons don't match up with the English text, and mm. most of the balloons are tall. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but if the balloons are tall, then don't have a wide font. Like mm. I don't like I get why they they you know they have the kind of you know the comic-y font, but it doesn't help the book at all. And you know I, I uh, my wife sent screen grabs of this last night to a designer friend who's uh, a photographer as well. Oh wow! Fonts and uh, and I was kind of embarrassed to mm. send the pages to her because they had to come with a caveat. Look, I I know this is horribly designed, mm. but it's great for you, a designer. Ouch. Yeah. Mm. And then, like, the, you know, you mentioned the four-tier kind of structure, and that keeps mm-hmm. it very clean. But, uh, but yeah, as soon as, as soon as you get to the, the, the font, it all falls apart. Mm. So here, you can... Uh, I don't know if that'll zoom or not. I don't know mm. if my camera zooms. I don't think it does. But yeah, this what uh, in the word balloon here is like on the... Uh, oh, what page is that? Uh, oh, page 134. I, I just came mm-hmm. fl- flipped right to it. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's bad. And it's like... Hmm. Here we go. Deb, David, and I, we're, we're a lot more familiar with manga, I mean, than most people, let alone Chip. <laughs> I think that there are conventions to reading manga in translation that we're just used to that we don't really see as being it's part and parcel of what's going on mm. it's just part I of manga that's true. like you yeah. manga is written generally in a computer font like 99.9% of the time it's 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 a font but it's usually done in um in pretty computery looking fonts like it's it's not really like a handwritten look usually pretty squared off when you're using like the kana especially so the fonts sit in the balloons differently when you're writing vertically right to left than they do when you're writing horizontally left to right and you can see that and there are some people that are actually almost untranslatable because Mm. their their lettering is so vertical and so tight um that (laughs) and i've had to letter stuff like that and it's it's really tough and i I think it's everything's a compromise translation is honestly often a compromise like sometimes it can be an illumination it can be better even than the original Mm -hmm. but uh, i think translation is a compromise and yeah i think that's a really good point i think that i didn't i didn't love the lettering in this i didn't think about it but it's interesting that as someone who does who makes comics and who does design that was the one of the first things you gravitated towards, yeah. but and it's, it's also tricky the because of the structure of these pages and the panels. Mm. Um, when there's a lot of character back and forth, I mm. would always have to like stop and go, "Oh wait, who's talking? Okay, they're talking," because like the balloons don't necessarily line up with the characters mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. a lot of spots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, there was one thing in here that I've never seen before that I don't know if is in manga going forward. But the balloon where the tail goes into the balloon. I saw that. Yes. That's yeah. very that's convention. very different. That's yeah. really interesting. Yeah. With a square. Uh, it was like, what? So, so yeah, those... sometimes they were square and sometimes they went into, like if they went into the balloon, mm-hmm. that meant the person was talking off panel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that's actually absolutely a manga convention. I actually tried to do that when I was lettering a book. I think it was an early Oni book. Uh, I used to letter comics uh, closer for Oni, Anthony Johnson's book. And I actually did that for when characters were talking from off screen and they didn't want to use captions. And they were just mm-hmm. like, no, to have the point, have have a regular point, have it point off of panel. And I'm like, 
okay, that's a little bit weird because there's so much like people talking that you can't see in this book that I thought it would be like a good way, but we don't have that. People are afraid to use it. But I did think it was interesting that all the fonts talk with square word balloon tails. I didn't notice that until you noticed that. Talks with pointy word balloon tails. And it's a way of differentiating who's talking even in difficult situations. But I do think that I actually think maybe the original lettering is not in the in the the, the dialogue, like the original uh, balloon lettering maybe isn't the best. These these balloons are pretty rough at they times. Yeah. Uh, like weird uh, line weight changes and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm. Yeah, they feel very randomized. Mm. The um, artist was born in 1994. Oh, wow. So what is that like? Oh, God. 23 <laughs> or 24 when they did this? Yeah. I don't think they have any other any other credits, right? But- no, they do. This is the artist that went on to do Heaven's Design Team. Shut up. Yeah, I'm pretty, well, that's what their credit is listed as in the, um, the credits. Manga artist uh, has worked on many manga involving personifications, such as Tengokucho Zetsuma Matsuka Yosigari, which is Heavenly Design Team. I don't know why they didn't include what the English title is, but maybe they weren't allowed because it hadn't been translated yet or something. But uh, yeah, so they actually, Heavenly Design comes after this. It is better artwork-wise, I think. I think mm. this is a this is maybe a, a pretty early work or maybe their first professional work right after. Uh, you sure it's Dojinshi? not Heaven's Design really? Team is is has it says unless it's different a different artist? pen name. It Weird. says yeah, it says uh, Tsuta Suzuki Tarako. The um, sorry, I was looking at Amazon Japan and it actually said it was Heavenly Design Team, so I don't know. Yeah, maybe mm-hmm. maybe it's just a different, exactly the same premise, with, but a different manga that we don't have in English. Hmm. Anyway, so, what, what so yeah, I, I rescind. Oh, don't. Uh, it's, God doesn't work alone. God has a team of designers that design all of the animals and beasts in the universe from the lowliest microcosm. And all of the designers have different personalities. And are, it's exactly this. It's exactly this, but with god designing animals and one guy who just wants to keep making the unicorn every single time and they all vote him down so that's why there's no unicorns okay he tries to make pegasuses and a pegasus yeah yeah it's like this old guy so he's like um his, his one hit was the horse and he every time he has to come up with new ideas he always does variations on horses yeah and it drives him all nuts <laughs> I would I would say we should Great. read that one too because it's very interesting. I was gonna say when I after mm. this came up as we we're gonna recommend this one, I thought oh it's it's so there's not much to talk about so maybe we should double it up with another book, but that would make this go on forever. Yeah. But I was gonna say <laughs> another one would be sales at work. Sales mm. at work is it is an example of where the characters, uh, like unlike uh, what the font the characters are established. And then they they travel on a on a story type journey. So the mm. characters are red blood cell, white blood cell, uh, viruses, <laughs> uh, T cells, um, mem- you know, like um, killer T cells and stuff like that. So like I, it explains how the human body works in a mm. personified way. It's mm. really fascinating. I I there was a from that book. I kind of. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like it explains how the flu works, how cancer mm-hmm. works. Mm. And then they have like all kinds of spin-offs now. Like they have a cells at work, a black, which is a, a, a human body that doesn't take good care of itself. So it's a middle-aged man who drinks too much and smokes <laughs> and how the, the cells in the body are all like, oh, they're so tired. And oh, <laughs> they're so miserable, you know? 
Are they yeah. updating this for coronavirus? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure they will. <laughs> yeah, it it a lot of this like it explains viruses, so it's actually super educational. I think manga like this and cells at work. Um, wonder between what the font in that one and Heaven's Design Team is that the other two have more of a like traditional comics format. Yeah, like they're not four panels. It's you know like however many panels it takes to tell the story, and then like the encyclopedia entry at the end yes yes <laughs> yeah so the pacing the like i would say heaven's design team feels more like a comic mm. than what the font does absolutely that makes sense. But, yep like there's a narrative to it then like yeah and like there's like dumb little sub it's almost like a workplace comedy yes. the way it's pitched because god is like the typical uh design client where he's like vague request no you did it the wrong way yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it's clearly written by people who do design for a living and they just turn it to funny ends. But like explainer manga is a whole genre. Like there's yeah. tons of these books mm -hmm. and more and more in different genres. It's interesting. Sometimes it's really effective. Mm -hmm. We're getting more of it, but be I think it's because of the rise of digital. I was actually really surprised to see this get picked up, to be completely honest with you. Like this is like a deep, deep cut. This isn't in a manga magazine. This isn't like they had to like arrange special rights. Well, not special, special rights, but to uh, to get it going through Tohan because like there was no, like, I don't think that Japanese publisher licenses a lot of stuff into other languages. If they're making art yeah. books and design books, it's for Japanese audience. Mm -hmm. So yeah, this is a deep, deep cut, but there is definitely more and more of that coming out. I think Kodansha's online uh, situation where they've got all that stuff online allows us, allows them to do stuff like everyone wants to live in uh, Kichijoji is an uh, example of an explainer Kichijoji manga. Kichijoji the only that, place to live. Yes. yes. Yeah. It's literally this neighborhood. Oh, you know where we stayed in? When we stayed in Japan, we stayed in between Quenji and Asagaya. Three more stops west along that line from where we stayed when we were in Japan is the, the hottest, best, everyone loves it neighborhood. And there's a whole manga about real estate agents where everyone walks in the door and says, I want to, I want you to find me a place in Kichijoji. And they like work to resettle them in different locations around Tokyo that have similar things that might be more to their speed. And it's just. <laughs> That's a manga uh, in Japan. It's kind of like and everybody really wants good. to live in Brooklyn, right? It's like yeah. everyone wants to live in Park Slope, okay. and it's like, no, <laughs> you can't afford it, honey. I think, I think th here's here's my pitch. All right. I think I think we should create a manga where uh, it's the personifications of all the different neighborhoods in Tokyo. Uh, <laughs> mm. so How does that has to exist already, right? I know it's got to, but I <laughs> I haven't heard of it. Actually, that's pretty All good. Right, there you go, throwing it out for the uh, for the public. Unless we edit this out, <laughs> mm. we'll do. <laughs> what, so the, the other thing that I, I noticed about this, I was curious about. I wanted to get everyone else's take, with varying degrees of comfort in Japanese culture. This is very clearly a book written by Japanese people using Western material for Japanese readers. This is not for North mm. American readers. Yeah. Um, did you find that? Did you ever find it difficult or off-putting or that it was not talking to you, not speaking to you as a Western reader? I didn't really notice. Hmm. Like, I, I mean, I was, all I kept thinking while I was reading it was like, what's the, who's the audience for this in Japan? <laughs> <laughs> because like all these fonts are like uh, English letter forms. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it seems like such a strange thing to me. Like it would be, it would feel strange if it was produced here, mm. but it feels very strange produced there. Like I, I, I couldn't get my head around who the audience was for this there. Like how, how many 
people in Japan are into design, English, English fonts. It it, it seems it seem, that seems odd to me. Like, I, but no point was I reading. It was like, oh, this isn't uh, this isn't made for me mm. because I'm I'm still going along on the same journey, learning the same facts about fonts. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, true, true. How about you guys? Did you do what? Did you think? Uh, I did a little bit, but it was because of my general American ignorance. <laughs> Like, <laughs> you want to dig in on that one, buddy? <laughs> Let's hear more about that. <laughs> Just being uh, surprised at certain things that are delivered in like a very basic, like here's foundational font knowledge way. Like um, I knew the, the difference between serif and sans serif, for instance, but headline font and body font I hadn't thought of before. Mm. Even though like it's so obvious in hindsight that those would be two different, uh, they'd need two different requirements. So it was sort of like being lost, but then like they explain it as I go along so I can still follow it, you know? Mm-hmm. Or the stuff like about Trajan uh, dating from the Roman Empire, I thought was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that at all. Yeah. You don't watch Font YouTube? <laughs> I didn't know there was Font YouTube. There's Font YouTube. Oh my God, uh, no, really? <laughs> there are some really fascinating font mini docs by made by youtube makers anyway oh that's wow besides the point perhaps but yeah. uh if you if you want to read more check out youtube for for more resources <laughs> oh, sorry and all the books listed in the back of the book and whatever uh, i was going to say there is one thing i wanted to say about the look of the book like the the lettering and the styling um it uses cc wild words as its main font mm. which is very common in manga uh it's used for one piece of my hero academia which are like the oh. top two, two of the top two selling manga like ever. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so there's something about it that feels very natural for mm. like reading it as a manga, if that makes sense. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's like seeing Todd Klein on a Vertigo book or something. It's like, oh, this is how it's <laughs> supposed to look. Ah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Now you're talking to me. All right. Yeah. And I wonder if that was a mistake. I think you do want it to read like comics. And when you approach manga, when you're a manga fan, you have this idea of what manga is supposed to look like. Right. And this is, and that Shonen jump style is, is difficult to get away from really, mm-hmm. really difficult to get away from as much as Marvel and maybe the eighties the was difficult to get away from. Although now they sometimes have mixed case and, you know, thanks Bendis and things like that. But uh, yeah, I think, I think they should have thought about the fonts more in the book about fonts i think they could have gone with like a narrower typeface and and what's interesting too is that this is what this is seven seas is like not an is kind of a weirdly indie company but also distributed by mcmillan which is the one of the largest publishers in the like of like the big five the largest publishers in english so it's like this if this had come out from a smaller publisher than seven seas if it had come out from I don't know, fanographics, let's say, I think the font choices would have been different for the dialogue and things like that. They would have gone with a narrower font. Uh, they, I don't think that they, they might've gone to like 95% width on this. If we're getting into like real font stuff here, but uh, I think they would have, oh, it's real they would font have hours approached it differently. <laughs> and you don't, because you'll see that once things get out of the, like, you know, Kodansha, Yen, Viz sort of try, you know, the the, yeah. the the hegemony of manga in North America, when you get to the smaller publishers, people are more willing to experiment with how 
fonts lay on the page with how manga is meant to be read. And I think that that would have served a book from a Japanese not manga publisher that is indie and weird and whatever a better way. I think the mm -hmm. text pages actually look pretty good. And I think those are trying yeah. to mirror the Japanese um, pages for how they were set up. But I do think, yeah, the things like dialogue especially the dialogue, but even some of the sound effects or the, the, the tiny asides hand lettering would have been nice there. I don't know. You're doing a book about fonts. Maybe you want to put as much effort as you can into, into the fonts of the book, but that's, that's my take. I then was, again, how many copies is a book about fonts going to sell? Yeah, that's, that was, that was going to be my question. Like how did this book do in Japan and in North America? That's a good question. Um, I have no idea. I mean, this is a, this is a book that uh, I started socializing around, like at where my day job, because mm -hmm. uh, oh yeah, yeah, because I thought they would find it fun and approachable, and, and I kind of talked it up to p other people who normally don't read manga who are interested in, like ah oh, yeah, this kooky, but I don't know, I don't think it's I don't think it's sold like a lot, a lot. Um, yeah. I mean, until the manga splaining bump. Well, there you go, <laughs> manga splaining bump. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I think that's a good idea. I kind of want to give it to my coworkers as well, just because it's nice to have reference for fonts. Mm -hmm. Like, there's not a lot of accessible writing about fonts. It's mostly yeah. like asking somebody who knows something about it, you know? Yeah. And even though, like, we don't use many fonts or any fonts that are in here, it's still good to know the basics. Like, here's why this looks this way. Here's the effect that this gives off. That kind of yeah. thing. So this is a pretty new book. I just I just checked. It came out in November. Deb. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this is like really recent. Here's a here's a design question since we're kind of getting into the design side of things. If do you think this book being presented as a like normal manga that probably looks like a lot of other manga, like soft cover or whatever, does it a disservice? Cuz you guys described it as a reference when you first mm -hmm. when you first got it. If this had been printed a little bigger, maybe with a hardcover, maybe 20 bucks, and, you know, it did feel a little bit more upscale. Because if it, designers are the people who are going to buy this, do you think that approaching it like a manga, looking for a story, did undercut your expectations a little bit? Do you think that the form of this could have changed to better prepare you for what the contents were? I think, yeah, you could... Um... I'm looking at the cover now. I'm like, I, I, I probably would never have picked this up as a designer based on the cover. Mm -hmm. Like, this is absolutely the exact Japanese cover, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they could have done a, a much simpler uh, cover and better designed. And also, I mean, this is okay. This is me coming from the non-manga reader. If there was any translation that should have also flipped it. For the Western ah uh, yes yes um, is, is this one mm -hmm. you really like, think you think so, so eh why do you think that yeah because I'm gonna hand this to non manga readers mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like this is this is the one book where I'd be like you know we texted texted our friend about it last night like and yeah. you know with the caveat you know the fonts are bad and <laughs> but also that oh yeah you have to read these um, right to left mm -hmm. which is going to be everyone's introduction to that concept. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like Cheese Sweet uh, Home is, yeah. is is flipped, and I think that does really well because it's a kid. It it appeals a lot to kids. Akira was flipped, and because it was this, it was they really wanted it to appeal to Western comics readers. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, this one on on like 
like I, I think what's really hard about some of these niche mangas, I felt like this with the Drops of God, the wine manga, or Oishinbo, mm. is that those books really could, shouldn't be just sold as manga. They should be sold towards the people who would actually be interested in the subject, manga or mm. not. You know, like, um, like this could be in a art, because it could be an art museum store, or this could be in an art supply yeah. store. You know, mm. where art students go or designers go. And I don't think it's marketed as such because I don't think manga companies, manga publishers are set up to sell books like that in that kind of bespoke kind of way. Well, that's up to the distributor. I think Macmillan, if you're listening, if anyone from Macmillan is, is listening in the PR department, uh, Gina used to work there, but she's obviously at, at Penguin Random House now. Like, this is the kind of thing where you maybe don't want to just have it on your manga shelf. You actually want a specialized uh, PR person to go and sell it to institutions like Deb's talking about. I think that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, that's, always, that's, sense. Uh, that's, that, that, that's like the case with, uh, you know, image books like, mm. like Brubaker and Phillips. Books should be in the crime section, not in the comic mm -hmm. section. You know, there's always that debate. And with something like this, this would go quite well in like the the reference design guide section. Mm -hmm. um, and it's kind of too bad. It's a missed opportunity. I mm -hmm. wanted to throw out there that um, Seven Seas is going to be moving to Penguin Random House as of July. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. I don't think I knew that. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow, PRH now ha is now distributing Kodansha, Square, and Seven Seas? Huh. I hear rumblings about Yen, too, but we can't talk about that. David, you were wondering something? <laughs> oh, I was wondering in regards to Chris's dilemma of selling it as manga versus uh, books, mm -hmm. I guess. Um, I don't know if we have the infrastructure for that period, even like culturally, because I don't know if people would go, oh, I want the comic guide to fonts. Because I think in America it would seem less serious. Mm. It would seem less serious than like a textbook or something. I think it would do well in like an independent bookstore, like you know, like your yeah. Diesel Books or your um, uh, Urban Outfitters, like has books. You know, like quirky, mm -hmm. like a, kind of in a curated quirky kind of book sense. You know who yeah. should have published this with no disrespect intended to Seven Seas? Mm. Tashin. Ah, Tashin should have published this because I've got they've published comics. I'm looking over at my <laughs> I keep my design books uh, separate from my other books because they're beautiful. Uh, and I'm like, oh, yeah, Tashin did the Tom of Finland comics collection. Like Tashin is not a, like has done comics, has taken these works and presented them in this very beautiful way that makes them appeal not only to, you know, people who are going to pick up Tom of Finland anyway, but Tashin, you know, art book lovers, design book mm -hmm. lovers. I think that it's very, or if Seven Seas could have pushed it in more of a, like a flexi cover. Sorry, we are getting way into <laughs> book talk yeah. here, but like, but straight up, I think there's an opportunity here for something like that to happen. And I think that's interesting to bring it up. Actually, it's it's funny you mentioned Oishinbo. Oishinbo didn't do great. Like it did okay when it was released, but it didn't do great. But it actually has become, this isn't even privileged news because anyone can go look up the, the book scan numbers on this. One of the most consistent sellers, backlist sellers that Viz has, like mm. its lifetime sales are more than 10 times its initial sales, which never happens with mm. a lot of manga. Like manga sort of start high and then get low unless you've got a Naruto where it sort of goes like this, but everything eventually ends. But Oishinbo, which is a manga about two food critics, uh, two rival food critics, father and son, trying to come up with the world's best ultimate Japanese food menu uh, by trying literally every dish in Japan. And it's like, 
it's really, really good, but it's organized in North America into themed collections. So it's not chronological. So it's like the first one is ramen. Here's all the stories about, or uh, Japanese cuisine is the first one, but there's like a volume that's just ramen. Here's like seven manga stories about ramen, different kinds of ramen. And you'll learn about different kinds of ramen and what makes ramen good in this one volume. So the, the volumes aren't numbered, which is also a big deal because uh, usually everything gets a number, whether it should or not and oishinbo continues to sell and has reached beyond the manga audiences to japanese you'll find it usually in japanese culture sections and in stores especially like hipster stores uh i know that when we were the beguiling was on markham street there was a japanese knife shop across the street and they wanted to they ordered a set of us to have always in stock because people would come in and be like i had no idea so that was actually one of their best sellers was the oceanbo manga because people who were interested in japanese cuisine would go to the japanese knife store and see a book on japanese cuisine that they'd never seen because exactly. it all, when, when they're at indigo or barnes and noble it gets ranked it gets racked with the manga it doesn't get racked with the cookbooks yeah. so that, that's i think a problem for manga you know and i yeah. I've seen Oishinbo and uh, when I went to Toronto, I went to, there was a cookbook store, like a cookie yeah. store, and it was on the shelf. And I was like, oh, so happy. Yeah. That store, that store did a really good job of sourcing books, actually. And it, you need, I think, indie bookstores. That's that's why we shout out indie bookstores. They put a lot of work in to like, really source and curate a selection of stuff. And that's where you're going to find, probably in future, books like like this, like What the Font, like in a design section in an indie bookstore rather than... You know, it's probably not going to live a long time on the uh, manga shelves at Barnes and Noble because it's not going to turn. It's not going to sell quickly enough. Yeah, I, I feel bad because, like, you know, this book deserves a, an audience because of what it it does, what it does very uniquely about yeah. a certain subject. But yeah, you know, it's it's a tough one. It's I, I I love this about manga that you can that there's all kinds of permutations of this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, there's yeah. there you. I've always learned something new, like us. Like every manga that I read teaches me something interesting, even if about a subject mm. that I may not necessarily have been interested in. Like, mm. I guess, uh, like Doctor Stork, for example, is that I learn about ob- like ob- like being an OBGYN and oh, wow. how, how how risky <laughs> childbirth can be. Mm. Um, it's just interesting. I, I find yeah. they put a lot of passion and research into it. Um, I love that. Mm. Yeah. I was going to say, that's been my favorite part of all this so far, just how different everything's been and how you, you, I've, I've been learning so much more about the art form and about specific things and mm-hmm. uh, with each with each uh, offering. It's been pretty cool. Yeah, I like, I mean, as like a font neophyte, apparently, <laughs> I liked <laughs> learning so many different things. And uh, I think the nature of the book and the nature of my job and my sort of passed as a comics critic makes me like weirdly suited for this kind of a book. Yeah. Cause as I was reading, I couldn't help like comparing, uh, the, uh, the dialogue fonts, you see wild words to the fonts that they were putting on display and like trying to spot the differences and things like that. Mm. Like it sparks a conversation in my head, which I, you know, I'm always appreciative of when it comes to comics. Yeah, for sure. Also, I think this will do gangbusters in like a, museum bookstore or something <laughs> yeah it, it just has to find that yeah. buyer it just has yeah. to find yeah. this audience and it get get that buzz about it and then it'll, maybe it will have a life like oishimbo you know where it has mm-hmm. a long tail let's hope yeah. so i can I think... see this in the, the moma design store mm. oh absolutely 100 yeah. <laughs> percent. 
Here's I would hoping do something, someone gets it in. If I have something like I would do like a gorilla movement, you know, like just like, like sneak take a, a couple copy. of copies and put it on the shelf. <laughs> and then send an invoice once it blows up. <laughs> Look, if you're going to be doing stuff like that, just do it with my books. All right. <laughs> Everyone already stocks all of your books, though. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> we really wanted to get sex criminals into sex shops. Like that was like, yeah, why not? A big thing. Yeah, I know. It was so hard to figure out distribution for stuff like that. Mm. Yeah. I like I, what, maybe like you'd have to fuck with like the what is it? Erica Moen did Ojoy sex toy. Mm. Yeah. How did she sell that out? Direct. Direct. Mm. Yeah. Kickstarter. Uh, and then obviously there's distribution now through uh, Oni, but uh, but yeah, and then she's got a new book coming out from Penguin Random House too. That's like an original book for for teens. That's less explicit, but uh, yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, I think I I find it. Yeah, I was trying with the design question. I was trying to get at this idea that like comic book design has mm-hmm. its own language, mm. where things are designed like comic books or aren't designed like comic books. And when something sort of strays too far from looking like a comic book, even like it's, even though it's a comic book, people tend to butt up against it. And I think in something like this, I would want this to be pushed further away from, from manga, like even having a manga character on the cover already differentiates. It's enough from other design books that you don't have to worry about it maybe, but yeah, I don't know. Like I look at the design of like the ocean boat covers and they're very designy. Mm. I'll grab one uh, so I can show yeah, Chip. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they're distinctive. It's I think it's really difficult, you know, trying to trying to think about designing for non comics audiences. Yeah. So this is the cover of Oishinbo, Japanese cuisine, and here's the cover of the ramen and gyoza volume. And you can see right away it like implies manga. The it has a manga character on each one, but it has close-ups on food, and it like is literally. Gyoza and ramen are as big on the cover almost, you know, as anything else. And it's this idea of like, you're going to sell this as being about food. And even though, and it's more of a strict narrative, like each chapter does have a story with a beginning, middle and end, which I feel like this, you know, what the font didn't have. It does walk you through. It does include, I think it includes... Yeah, it includes like extensive notes on the back that explain, you know, more if you want to dig in more. Um, but you don't necessarily need to. But it talks about why different kinds of Japanese cuisine are important. <laughs> in the same way, that actually, this talks about like the benefits of the fonts. This is a very, this is generally very kind to everything it talks about. And I think that's something about explainer manga as well. Uh. But, but yeah, this has found a huge life. Uh, and it's not, it's still not a bestseller, but it's consistent and selling backlist consistently like that is huge. And I think it's just, its form is closer to the kind of form that would make it be picked up but it's still flipped so it's not in the north american orientation but i think that if you're selling something that's about wacky japanese culture because everything japanese is therefore wacky in the west having it be backwards is part of its charm you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and i think yeah i think we don't necessarily always in comics think about it we don't think about design in that way and it's it bums me out um and i'd like to see I'd personally like to see more of that, but I might be in the minority there. I think pub- publishing something that is exactly the same shape and size as everything else in your line is cheaper and easier, and you can just send it to the printer. So, mm. so that's my thought. That's my thought there. Let's wrap things up with how do we feel about what the font? I'm into it. I would read more like this on other subjects that I'm not familiar with, but I'm curious about. Like I think it's a good format. It's very easy to read. Um, yeah, good job, everybody. <laughs> Chris, 
one of the things I've been noticing with the podcast is how difficult it is. We might do a video cast at some point, but how difficult it is to convey some of the visual information that we talk about just in podcasty kind of terms. I've been doing like the Akira show notes for episode one are up now. And it's just like, there's so many graphics because we just, we talk about things visually. Comics are visual medium. Yeah. And I know how complicated that is. And I'm actually really impressed with how they managed to communicate so much information in this. I actually really enjoyed reading it and I am going to keep my copy, I think as, as a reference, if I ever want to go back to something or think of, or, or read it again, just to try and internalize it again. I think it's a, uh, it's, it's, it's a good book. And I think you're right. I think you're all right in that. A lot of people are going to get a kick out of something like this if it can find its audience. And that's, I don't know, I guess that's part of what we do, right? Is talk about the good books and, and send people their way if we can. So mm-hmm. I liked it a lot. Awesome. So Chip. Uh, yeah, I liked it. Um, I, I, I just kind of realized I, I have a lot of difficulty reading nonfiction. Like my brain just kind of like floats away a lot mm. with nonfiction. Uh, and this was a really easy way for me to digest information and facts and mm. nonfiction. Even if the fiction part wasn't really narrative driven. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm fascinated by it, and uh, I kind of want to explore similar manga to to learn about things. I did want to say actually about that. Hmm. It presents information in a top down way, so the top level is really uh, ba- is not basic, but like because basic has been ruined as a word. Uh, it is like really approachable, but it keeps giving you deeper levels if you want to dig into that with each chapter ending with like paragraph form explanations of things. I loved that too, because you could skip the paragraphs at the end of every chapter. They're like really the drier kind of stuff and still get so much out of it. I really liked how it it unrolled the information and people could choose the pace at which they wanted to take it in. All right. And with the final word, that was Chris Butcher. <laughs> no, it's uh, I, it's Deb's turn. Deb, Deb, you picked it. Did it, did you, did it, did it live up to your expectations? Is it everything you wanted us to read and more? I'm just really pleased that you guys got something out of it because I was starting to feel a little guilty, honestly. Because <laughs> it's like, oh, this is such a lightweight little silly manga. But, you know, that, that well, it, it, it it proves a it brings up an interesting point about what manga is, you know, that it's can be a lot of things and it has a um it has I mean like I I mean I like I said, I went to art school, I work with fonts a lot in my work and you know, I, I didn't know that that Helvetica, Futura and Ariel are distinctly have distinct differences, other than they look vaguely different. <laughs> Yeah, mm-hmm. and there's a reason for that. So mm. I think it's it's nice because it it kind of reminds you that there's always something to learn, um, and maybe there is a manga for everybody. Yeah, I was amazed that Ariel has multiple pronunciations. Ah, even that threw me off. I was like, oh man, I really don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> I can now go on Jeopardy and say what the font, yeah, the category. <laughs> What are we reading next? Let's go around the table. David, do you want to start? Yeah, I'm going to throw uh, in, well, it's not ongoing, but a serialized shonen action manga on the plate, which we haven't really done much yet. Uh, mm. It's called Full Metal Alchemist Ooh. by uh, Hiromu Arakawa. It is super good. Basically, I'll just spoil a very tiny bit to give you the pitch, but there are two boys. Uh, their mother gets sick and they try to save her life through alchemy. Even though everyone says, you know, like, don't use alchemy to do anything, it will backfire on you. 
And then the result, uh, their mom is killed, one brother loses an arm and a leg, and the other brother is stuck in a giant suit of armor. And so then they join the basically the alchemist military organization in order to learn more about alchemy to bring their mother back to life. Wow. All right. Classic cool. shonen manga. Which mm-hmm. I have not read in entirety, and, and so this will be a good chance. Oh, man. <laughs> I know I'm missing out, aren't I? Because I love all the mm-hmm. rest of her books. Um, Chris, mm. what's your pick? Uh, I'm going to go with Oeshinbo, actually, because we were just talking about it, and it reminded me how much I liked it and what a good introduction to manga it is for people who don't like manga. Oeshinbo is a series of seven volumes of books, each on a different theme of uh, each, each with a different theme of Japanese cuisine. So ramen and gyoza, vegetables, sushi and sashimi, all that kind of stuff. It's about, as I said, to uh, rival food critics, father and son, who hate each other, trying to come up with the world's best or Japan's best ultimate menu by trying literally every dish in Japan. But that literally never will get solved. It's not about that. It's it's not about the destination. It's about the journey, which is reading about delicious food and then getting so, so hungry and missing Japan so much. So it's going to be so kind of torture much. for me, but maybe <laughs> Chip will like it. I think it's the kind of thing I should have given him before he went back to Japan. So yeah, Oishinbo is my pick. I, uh, it's very similar to a pitch I have about comics critics trying to make the perfect anthology. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh man, nice. I got thoughts on that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's great. And Deb, what's your pick? I'm going to go with something kind of out of left field. Um, Beastars. Mm. Okay. So Beastars is kind of, it's, it's like furries. But basically, it's it's kind of a high school drama, high school murder mystery sort of thing, except the characters are car- are carnivores and herbivores who go to high school together. And the mm. carnivores <laughs> always kind of have to deal with the fact that they're surrounded by, they don't eat, they can't eat meat. They can eat eggs, but they're surrounded by other critters that technically, if they were in the wild, they'd be eating them. And so he, this, the main character is this wolf called Legoshi. And he he's kind of a low key guy. He's not like a like a alpha wolf kind of guy, but he kind of falls has this attraction to this dwarf rabbit girl who's kind of easy, <laughs> or he has a reputation kind of being easy. kind of being the <laughs> kind of being the class easy chick who who sleeps with everybody. Oh, Dev knows how to sell these books to me. Yeah, <laughs> so it's kind of complicated, and then there's a there's a mystery because at uh, the the story opens where um, one of the character one of the characters in the dra- in the drama club is chased and killed. So this sets the whole high school up in arms. Like who's who's the killer in this high school? It's very interesting. It, ha- it brings up a lot of interesting issues about um, what you about animal nature about eating meat um oh i don't know it's just it's kind of a co- interesting and complicated story for shonen manga i'd I'd say all right all right well, well let me first let me just say that chris you did a much better job this time <laughs> i took your advice to heart of, of, of pitching but i'm obviously gonna pick uh david's because <laughs> it sounds cool as hell all right <laughs> And True. I think I think I think just so just to to break it up from like the what the font style, I know yours isn't that because it's a narrative, but um, yeah, yeah, I think smarty pants stuff. Also, once again, I do not understand what we're doing with these picks. So we we're just getting last time. We did. We're just getting a little bit further 
okay, ahead right. <laughs> so that you can we can all acquire the books a little bit quicker than we need to if you know what i mean okay. all right well if, if there's an order to this then yeah yeah oh it is so yeah. as of right now next episode is wave listen to me volume one uh david's recommendation after that it's yotsubato or yotsuba volume one which is dev's recommendation seven billion needles volume one to four and we're going to do after that in digital and then after that, it is Tech on Kingcrete, which is mine. So now we're going to, so you want to do, you want to do Full Metal Alchemist, hey? That's actually a yeah. good one to recommend yeah. now because there are 27 volumes of Full Metal Alchemist. You don't need to read. Oh, sorry. And actually, it's now available in that new format too, right? It's in the hardcover, mm. which is yeah. like one and a half or two volumes on really nice uh, paper. One and a half. Yeah. So it's a long series, but maybe if you, start reading now you can read as far as you want to as opposed to just reading volume one and stopping there because it is the kind of series where if you're not propelled if you don't want to keep reading volumes of full metal alchemist okay then it's a pretty clear that you don't have to but you start now you might I, it could it could absolutely be an image book if yeah. it was mm -hmm. coming out in north america okay yeah. and so so for, for this round i would go uh david's book then chris's book and then deb's book so that would be that would be the order hmm. Full Metal, yeah, Ocean Bow, so. and then... Uh, Beastars. Thank you. I should know better on Beastars. Okay, great. So, folks who are listening along at home, we're going to put these titles up on our reading list at mangasplaining.com for you to pick up and read along with as well. Maybe you need a... Maybe you've never read Full Metal Alchemist and need to needed the kick in the pants, or maybe you just want an excuse to read it again. I know a lot of Western comics uh, makers who Full Metal Alchemist is one of their favorites. I know Faith Aaron Hicks yeah. just like loves the hell out of it. Creator Hiromo, uh, Hiromu Arakawa was one of the creators we get most requested to come to TCAF, and I was like, she's too big to even go to San Diego, like let alone come to TCAF. So yeah, so that's uh, that'll be great. Uh, also, if you, for some reason, hate reading or run out of time before recording a podcast, there's a TV show called Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood that is very faithful to the manga. <laughs> <laughs> I could, I, I might have, Full Metal Alchemist might have to be my next binge read, binge read watch mm. after I finish with One Piece. Because mm. that's, that's read, watching a couple episodes of One Piece while I wash the dishes has been nice for me. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> but eventually I'm going to run out. So that would be the next one then. I can't imagine ever running out of One Piece. It's a weird thought. <laughs> I know, yeah. but I feel really bad because it's like this, this is like 20 years of this guy's life and I'm zipping, zipping through it in eight months. That's <laughs> right. the beauty of digital comics. <laughs> yeah. Or I guess he didn't, he didn't modern stuff. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of zipping through, what's our shout out for this week? Um, let's see. Let's start with Chip. Oof, on the spot. <laughs> on the spot. Yeah, total, total on the spot. Um, I haven't been consuming anything except work stuff. It's, uh, mm. it's, uh, it's, it's sad. <laughs> yeah, my my life is sad. I don't know how or why that happened, but here we are. I got nothing. <laughs> I got something good. Okay. All right. Uh, I've been watching The Expanse season five on Amazon, and I'm not going to spoil anything, but. Uh, the fourth episode was like really good. I watched it a couple of nights ago and was extremely entertained. So that's my shout out. Watch The Expanse. All right. I will. Oh, I hear so much good stuff about good that. Know. Yeah. Yeah. The characters are so good. The writing is really strong. Uh, I don't know. It works. I don't usually like, like sci-fi space opera -y stuff, but this one feels mm. good. 
Yeah, I've never Chris. heard anyone say a bad word about that. Uh, I know. So uh, after last week's dressing down by Chip Zdarsky uh, <laughs> about going on and on, but not actually saying what the thing was, <laughs> I uh, I realized I have uh, in lockdown. I've been or quarantine or whatever we want to call it. I've been watching a lot of YouTube and Tim, Tim Rogers, who used to do videos for Kotaku, but he used to do these insanely long videos for Kotaku, the video game website about video games. Like he reviewed the year 1994 and it was an hour and six minutes or something like that has just gone in uh, last year and started his own, um, started his own Patreon, his own channel called action button. And he does these reviews of video games that are like four, three to six hours long on YouTube, one clip, like one three hour YouTube in-depth review. And I realized watching as many of his videos as I have over the last year has changed how I participate in podcasts where (laughs) everything as he does, everything he wants to talk about has a 25 minute story about how it relates to him at the time (laughs) that he was doing like his, Oh, his final fantasy stuff where he actually went and worked at square in Japan and takes up like an hour and a half of the six hour video is (laughs) chef's kiss. Yeah. So I was like, Oh, I owe Tim Rogers a real debt to how I have started approaching talking about the things that I love. And maybe I need to rein that shit back in a little bit. So uh, my, my shout out this week is action button uh, on uh, actionbutton.net or action button on YouTube, where he's been reviewing video games. His, his Pac-Man review and his doom review are very good introductions where it's like, you know, they're three hours each final fantasies. The final fantasy seven remake review is much longer and is really good but his most recent one is like a deep dive on a insanely influential japanese game series that was never translated in english called tokimeki memorial which deb i'm i think are are you familiar with that one Mm. it's like it's the one of the first dating sims where you're Mm. like a dude in high school who goes and dates girls in high school and has to like you know win their affections or whatever anyway hugely influential on persona hugely influential on so many games so yeah so that's that's why I'm like this now, and I'm working I'm working on it. Uh, but yeah, Tim Rogers uh, action button, good stuff. Deb, what's your what's your shout out? I was gonna say well, how you're describing it sounds like how most recipes on blogs are written. Yeah, there's this whole <laughs> like story way, about like fucking crank to eleven, man. Just like uh, scrolling trying to get to the recipe. Just tell me how to make the damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of the game? No, 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 no. <laughs> I've got to tell you why I thought of the game. Uh, it's good. Good. Uh, sorry, yeah, Deb. What's, no, your, no. what's your recommendation? Um. Well, let's see. I mean, again, I've been kind of like binge reading a certain manga, and then, like I said, Kodansha has me by the short hairs by like, you know, giving like ten volumes for free, and then I'm stuck with like nine more that I gotta buy because I suddenly get hooked on it. Mm. So they're pretty clever. <laughs> um, the one I was reading was Tokyo Revengers by Ken Wakui. It's, um, oh, I don't know that one. Yeah, it's interesting. Oh, I know that one. <laughs> it's kind of like a mix between uh, a time travel kind of um, where um, the character, it starts uh, out with the character's sister has died, and then he discovers that he can go back in time. So he tries to go back in time to change change the past to make it so that his sister doesn't die. But it, it's so he starts to kind of like this, this, this high school schlub, and then through the process of going back this in a Groundhog Day kind of way, he becomes braver and braver. But the whole series is set in the world of uh, Tokyo uh, gangs. So, like, mm. in 
with it because there aren't really, you know, the like knife fights and brawls and they have these very ritualized type gang um, clothing that's very, uh, it's just kind of, it's just kind of interesting. It reminds me of Erased. It reminds me of Again. Mm. That premise of like, or like the girl who leapt through time. But it has like the, also this veneer of juvenile, Japanese juvenile delinquent uh, drama that's very stylized. Um, I got up to <laughs> volume 19, which just came out last week. And now I'm like, ah, oh, oh, not the end. Now I got to wait another, what, three months for the next volume. So anyway. <laughs> I, I, I like that there's shout-outs. Deb always manages to shout-out more manga. Of course! Yeah. <laughs> That's my life, man. <laughs> I'm not really watching a lot of TV. I'm, I'm watching the impeachment. <laughs> oh, that doesn't count. And I don't want to shout that out. As, grip, as gripping as it is. Yeah. That's All right. good. Okay, well, thanks, thanks again for joining us for Manga Splaining. And join us next week when we'll be talking about Wave Listen to Me by Samura. Till next time. This has been Manga Splaining, episode number five. What the Font by Kenichi Ashia, published by Seven Seas Entertainment. Thanks for listening. For our next episode, we'll be discussing the manga Wave, Listen to Me by Hiroaki Samura, published by Kodansha. Want to pick up a copy? Consider supporting your local comic book and manga specialty shop. You can find one near you at comicshoplocator.com. You can also follow along with our complete reading list and show notes for each episode at mangasplaining.com. Special thanks to DADS for their musical accompaniment this episode. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.